horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Very happy to have you with us. Today, we are going to take a trip backward to join up with the 4077th. Fans of MASH know that instantly, and it brings back a lot of happy and even bittersweet memories. Where was that set? Where is it now? Are there any remnants? There's quite a story to be told about the set of MASH in California, not Korea. We're going to find out a whole lot more about that when our buddy Jess Winfield comes back for another visit to American Road Trip Talk. We'll get that interview underway right after this. Have you listened to American Road Trip Talk yet? Feedspot.com has a team of over 25 experts whose mission is to discover and rank the most popular blogs, podcasts, and YouTube channels in several categories. At the end of 2020, Feedspot updated their survey of the top 20 road trip podcasts. Guess what? American Road Trip Talk finished the year at number one. Many thanks to the pros at Feedspot.com for the honor and to you, our loyal listeners. There's no way we could have done it without you. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. We're here for another visit with our buddy, Jess Winfield. He's one of those guys I have yet to meet face to face. I see him on Zoom. Can't wait to sit down and talk shop with him about writing pop culture and particularly TV history. Jess Winfield is a longtime contributing writer to American Road Magazine. He is as popular as he is versatile, and we're always happy to have him with us. The article I refer to today is called MASH Goes to Malibu. It's in the current issue of American Road Magazine. Jeff Winfield joins us on Zoom. Jess, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm great, Gary. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on that award for the podcast. That's fantastic. Why, thank you, sir. It was quite a surprise. We did not know we were being tracked independently like that, but as they say, we'll take it. Ah, well, you didn't even have to pay for it. That's even better. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) In the current issue, you have a wonderful article, MASH Goes to Malibu. I did not know and despite the fact of my great admiration for the achievement of MASH, I didn't know that they had filmed it in that particular, which is now a state park there in Calabasas, California. You're talking about Malibu, California, and they managed to get people to believe that you were looking at the hills, the mountains of Korea in a series just that when I wrote the blurb to promote your visit today, I couldn't even call a sitcom because that sells it short. MASH was so much more. 
Yeah, it really was. I mean, uh, it really sort of launched the entire dramedy uh, genre. Um, before that, there were sitcoms and there were hour-long dramas, but a half-hour show that um, that mixed usually two plot lines, one of which would be very serious, the other one of which would be very comedic, um, and really dealt with uh, real issues of the time. Um, uh, you know, it was during the Vietnam War, so so uh, Korea sort of was a little bit of a, a substitute for that in the in the series. Um, it, it was really unique and really spawned an entire an entire genre after it. I'm glad you brought that up, Jess, because if you want to deal with Vietnam really on the nose, as they say, you go to China Beach. Okay, film China Beach, and that's what you're doing. One of the things that I have come to deeply appreciate about MASH was that they could talk about the era of the viewers, the Vietnam War era, and allow you to see it from a somewhat askew lens, the Korean War, because the larger theme was life and death, life during wartime, the fact of war in human history, whichever seems to be with us, and the human response to it. And then on another level, human relationships under great duress. And they were able to do that by telling us the story of Korea during the Vietnam conflict and all that came with it. Yeah, exactly. And it was it was uh, interesting. It was sort of a yin yang approach to uh, to the Vietnam War. You have to remember that um, MASH was on the great, you know, Saturday night lineup uh, of All in the Family, MASH, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart and Carol Burnett. And uh, its lead in, you know, was Archie Bunker and Meathead often railing uh, at each other about the Vietnam War. Um, so for the sort of humor of that to be followed immediately by by those copters floating over floating over the hills uh, to the strains of suicide is painless from the mash film um, it was really it was pretty extraordinary of course Hawkeye and his cohorts weren't going to let it get too serious and that's something else I loved about it too it was a nice blend of personalities personalities but they also kept a cinematic balance within the the frame of a tv show yeah and it also you know it actually got more serious as it went on the the first three seasons uh with um with frank burns uh played by larry linville um and with henry blake who's the you know sort of hapless doesn't really want to be a commander commander um was really pretty slapstick and you know uh clinger wearing a dress um all that stuff and it sort of evolved over over the 11 seasons, I think it was, um, to the point where it was taking themes much more seriously. It was still a comedy, but the characters sort of became more three-dimensional. You know, Hot Lips turned into Margaret Houlihan, and instead of just being a comic foil, she, you know, famously had uh, had a, a relationship moment with, with Hawkeye, and, and the show really, really grew in, a, in an interesting direction over its time. It definitely did, and I would note that when you script a TV show for that many years, 11 seasons, as I recall, when you do that, you're rather at liberty to get creative. You take that creative license, whereas when you make a film, unless you're going to do a sequel, that's it. That Those characters don't grow beyond the hour and a half or two hours, whatever it takes to film that standalone movie. Yeah, it's true. And um, I, I think it's also 
uh, important to remember that uh, Alan Alda sort of became a creative force behind the series as well and uh, um, wrote and directed uh, many of the later episodes. So, and, and he had, a, of course, a very, um, uh, as he does today, a sort of uh, socially, conscience, uh, socially conscious political activism um, uh, behind his creative work that really bent the show in that direction, too. Before we get into the set, where it all happened and where something happened when they were planning the finale, and in fact, it had been written, oh, wow, how to deal with that. That, that would be an existential moment. But before we get to that, the substance of your writing is wonderful. And it's in the column, America's Playgrounds, MASH Goes to Malibu, in the current issue of American Road. I did want to ask you, your take as a creative person what would you think about the story of McLean Stevenson? If somebody were to tell you, boy, we've got a TV show, it's hot, it's really going to go places. And all of a sudden, one of the main stars decides to quit the series and go on to better things. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what I would have thought um, uh, at the time. I mean, it was also pretty unique for them to build um, the departure of, of cast members into the story quite so quite so actively. I guess the Andy Griffith show did that um, to a certain extent when Andy uh, left and it became Mayberry RFD. But, um, you know, the, the, the proximate counterpoint to that is um, Bewitched and the two Darrens, you know, one day it was Dick York and then, uh, and then it wasn't. And um, it, uh, with, with no reference whatsoever, just changed the actor. Um, uh, but creatively, man, they, <laughs> I, I remember watching live in real time, um, when, you know, the shocker came through that, um, Henry Blake, McLean Stevenson's character, um, died in a helicopter crash on his way home from the war. And that was just extraordinary. And then he gets replaced by, by, uh, Harry Morgan's, um, uh, Colonel Potter, who's a much more. Um, well, again, when, uh, not more three-dimensional because Henry Blake's a pretty great character, but um, a different angle on the military um, from from the competent, uh, decent, but very by the book, Colonel uh, Potter. Yes, yes. And uh, in that case, you have a man who's taken over and he has a wry sense of humor. He can be one of the fellas, but he was what we would call today an institutionalist. Right, exactly. Which, um, which, which Blake certainly wasn't, and and having an institutionalist there in what the middle of what we've already established as a group of of anti institutionalist um, whack jobs yes. like like Hawkeye Pierce, who you know is the fool character, the trickster character, who is there to literally pierce institutions um, with his with his Hawkeye wit. Uh, it was it was a, a very clever turn and uh, a great evolution for the show. Let's get down to it then. The substance of your article, Jess Winfield writing so well, the story of MASH goes to Malibu. There's MASH, there's the setting supposedly Korea, but no, it actually was filmed in Malibu at what today is known as Malibu Creek State Park in Calabasas, California. Go ahead and give us the story. Spell out what all of that meant and even the remnants so that people can go and make a pilgrimage to that set or what's left to it today. 
Yeah, sure. Well, um, so Malibu Creek, um, <laughs> I actually have intimate knowledge of it because it's the creek I grew up on, uh, literally. Um, it goes from uh, the Santa Monica Mountains uh, just above Lake Sherwood, which is uh, where I grew up. Um, so named because the um, uh, both the silent John Barrymore and the Errol Flynn Robin Hoods were filmed there partially. Uh, and it's a 14 mile creek and it goes through this canyon, um, uh, which uh, was used, uh, it has an extraordinary Hollywood history. It was uh, um, Lillian Gish cavorted there in, um, in uh, 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 oh, anyway. Oh, I, I think, yeah, let's see. On, Lily, on, I think on that one, that, that movie was called Annie Laurie, 1927. Yeah, Annie Laurie. Exactly. And even back further, 1919, Mary Pickford uh, and Daddy Longlegs wow. um, was shot there. Um, Tarzan movies were filmed there. It's most famously um, the one of the uh, administrative offices for what's now Malibu Creek State Park um, was uh, Mr. Blanding's Dream House, um, which was built to seven eighths scale so that Cary Grant would look even taller than he was. <laughs> when How clever is that? <laughs> Um, I actually, it's funny, I actually, I had read somewhere that, that it was built because Cary Grant was small, but um, I think my fact checkers at American Road Magazine, God bless them, uh, found out that Grant was actually six foot two. So I guess he just wanted to look even larger than life. It worked for um, the film, yes. Yeah. And today that, that building still stands, but now it's a home to California State Parks administrative offices. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, and, you know, I actually wrote another article for American Road um, uh, in 2018, I think, um, about uh, the Planet of the Apes set that was built there. Um, Charlton Heston famously uh, swam naked in uh, Century Lake there. Um, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid jumped off a cliff uh, in in Malibu Creek State Park. They landed in Colorado, but the shot of them jumping off uh, was just above the same pool that Charlton Heston swam in. So it's, it's just this extraordinary um, uh, history in film in general. And um, it's a very, very powerful place. Um, it was um, inhabited for 7,000 years um, uh, by its Malibu Creek actually forms the boundary between uh, Chumash territory, which covers much of Ventura and Santa Barbara and a little bit of Western Los Angeles counties and the Tongva people who lived um, uh, in the San Gabriel Mountains, the Los Angeles Basin. Uh, and around there. In fact, I said I grew up on Malibu Creek. My my uh, stepmother actually found several Chumash bowls and pestles um, uh, in sort of the sources of Malibu Creek, which she had laying around on her patio back in the 70s and 80s. Um, so it's a really, really stunning place. And um, uh, yeah, was was selected as the stand-in for Korea. Um, uh, the mash set was built there. It's the set was actually quite quite remote. It's in fact, if you go there, it's a four and a half mile round trip um, hike, which some people are surprised to find. Um, a moderate hike. There's a slightly steep incline at the beginning, um, but uh, uh, once you get there, there are still uh, some remnants of the set which have been um, restored. Uh, at various points over the years um, after 
various destructions by fire, which is the other big element in the in the story. And how, and you know, I just, I shiver every time people talk about California wildfire. I grew up in Southern California in Orange County. And when I find, uh, here's another wildfire, and you speak at one point in your article about California wildfire season, that season has become tragically elongated. It's frightening. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still here in Southern California and, uh, yeah, the fire seasons are getting longer, hotter, smokier, um, uh, more dangerous, more deadly. Uh, it's 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 really sad, and I, you know, the the um, this canyon, uh, Malibu Canyon, that the creek goes through. Um, you know, it, it suffers and always has suffered from these fires every few years. They start um, they start in the Santa Monica Mountains, and um, if the Santa Ana winds are blowing, uh, it goes all the way to the ocean, and that's the only thing that stops it. I'm sure you've seen, um, yes. you know, shots of flames in 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 Malibu, um, taking out houses. Those always those fires generally start. Um, uh, very much in the area of the mash set. In fact, one of them uh, in 1977, I think one of them started literally across the street from my house. Um, there was a telephone pole transformer uh, that sparked, and a friend of mine and I—I I was 13 at the time—a friend of mine and I saw flames on the hillside, ran out with a garden hose, um, and tried to spray it down. Um, fortunately, it was blowing the other direction, but it did burn all the way to Malibu. Um, we actually sort of got in trouble. The neighbors thought that we must surely have been smoking cigarettes or playing with fire and that we, mm. we actually started it. Not true. That's a thing. People, there are investigations <laughs> accordingly, of course. Yeah, of course. It was the Transformer neighbors. Um, so, yeah. And then, so there's the extraordinary story of when they were filming the finale, uh, the series finale of MASH, which is the... Um, highest, the, the most watched uh, episode of scripted television ever watched. It was watched by 123 million households, wow. which was 70, I think 77% of the house of the televisions in the country um, at the time were tuned in for that finale. Um, they were in the middle of shooting it when um, the Dayton fire of 1982, October, um, burned down the set uh and alan alda who was the director and head writer on the show um i think was in new york when he got the call that the thing had burned down and it was already in production i mean they were they were shooting he had gone home for the weekend um to his family in new york and so he, uh he rewrote it he wrote a fire into the script um uh, which there's a there's an incredible scene. Uh, they actually used some footage from the fire, where uh, Klinger and Potter uh, come out of their tents at night, and Klinger says, "Wow, that's just an amazing sunset." And Potter says, "Last I checked, the sun sets in the east. That's that's the west." Um, uh, he says, I, "I saw a fire like that." Um, and the Ardennes in, in France in World War One, and the next morning there was no forest left. <laughs> um, this is an extraordinary moment when you know the backstory. Uh, so they they then um, 
wrote into the script the scene where they strike the entire set and and uh, run to and drive to somewhere else, which it happens is just another spot in Malibu Creek State Park right across from the visitor center. Um, and they shot the rest of, of the thing there, um, except <laughs> Except then they had to go back and, and get some shots uh, um, that were supposedly from earlier in the script. So they went back and rebuilt the set um, uh, in 1984. And they were, uh, they were not going to leave anything on the table. It's like, we're going to get this done elegantly because they knew what they were filming, the enormity of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really was a, a cultural touchstone. I think uh, anybody of that age remembers where they were, uh, when and if they watched that episode, which they probably did. Um, so now uh, you can you can go and see it, although uh, the restored set that um, the California Parks, uh, California State Parks restored it when the state uh, bought it from 20th Century Fox, which used it as a, as a filming location after purchasing it uh, during, after the filming of How Green Was My Valley in 1946, I think. Um, uh, the California State Park uh, Parks uh, restored it in 2007, but then another fire, um, the Woolsey Fire, uh, just a couple years ago, burned 97,000 acres, I think. Oh. Um came through and torched it again. Um, that same fire is also the one that took out uh, Paramount Ranch, which is next door to, um, uh, literally next door to, to Malibu State, Malibu Creek State Park and destroyed its Western town there. Um, so um, there was a rumor that the entire, that that entire set was destroyed in that fire, um, but it wasn't, um, uh, some damage was restored. And now you can go there, there, um, uh, there's the original um, burned out ambulance that is still there um, that you see in the, in the show. There's, um, uh, there are interpretive panels showing you where the swamp was and where Father Mulcahy's tent was. And um, there are picnic tables that are shaded where the mess hall was. So you can go and eat the same, in the same location, hopefully not the same food that uh, <laughs> Hawkeye and the rest um, would have enjoyed. That's a nice and, touch. They also, did they not also replicate the sign with all the, the cities and the miles distant from where they were? They put up a another one right indeed they did indeed they did that was uh that was lost uh during i think that might have burned down during the fire and it's now been restored um with the uh with the sign of boston on top that major winchester added to the top of the sign when he arrived uh, to replace to replace frank burns in the series and if you're wondering how meticulous these production crews can get i read from the article of jess Winfield, Mash goes to Malibu. I found out that they had to paint themselves a mountain, so to speak, because this fire had charred great distances, great swaths, and yet they needed for there to be foliage, green foliage. And so they painted it and then they restored it to blackness. Is that it? That is, yeah. When they went back to get those extra shots that they needed after the fire, um, they had to build not only the setback, but but the mountains themselves. So, yep, they painted them green and then unpainted them green and let them go back to black. I just love that. I mean, the care and concern 
if you can't appreciate that, you're dead in the head. I think that's just a wonderful thing to do. That it's it's more than just a little touch. This is care and concern for the environment within the context of a TV classic. Yeah. And and even if you I mean if you go there today from the Woolsey fire, it's still it's still black and it's actually really stunning uh in the spring um or after some rain, which we're gonna be getting here in Southern California in the next few days, um, because there's still the black char against the verdant green of these mountains. It's really a it's really a stunning location. Let's take a minute, Jess, if someone wishes to make the pilgrimage, the trek to Malibu Creek State Park. As a matter of fact, it's located at 1925 Las Virgenes, spelled V-I-R-G-E-N-E-S, Las Virgenes Road in Calabasas, California. There is the remnants, the remnant uh, of the set there. Yes, and the interpretive panels are great. It, it's a hike. It's considered a moderate hike. Well, we're taking, I'm sure, I hope to do it someday. What else is there on offer? Can you go fishing there? Are there other hikes? Yeah, there. Um, there's hiking. It's this very varied uh, uh, woodland, savanna, um, uh, chaparral, classic Southern California um, location. There, uh, there are RV spaces. Um, there's fishing, uh, swimming. You can swim in the in the self same swimming hole that. Uh, that Charlton Heston did in Planet of the Apes. Um, we don't recommend you do it naked, uh, as you right. did, um, uh, unless uh, you happen there when it's particularly empty. Um, yeah, it's 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 really one of the the hidden gems in in Southern California, the Yosemite of Los Angeles. Some have called it, which may be overstating the case a little bit, but it really is it really is beautiful. That it is that all reminiscent is spectacular. This is where the 407 7th stood, and you can go there and see the remnants of it and recollect a TV classic. In the meantime, I recommend the article MASH Goes to Malibu by Jess Winfield. It's in the, uh, the section of the magazine called America's Playgrounds. The current issue of American Road magazine features it. Jess, can't thank you enough for coming back. I'll keep coming up with topics. You keep coming on the show, and we'll do this all again. A pleasure. Anytime, Gary. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to hear now from Anson Williams, who is the creator of Alert Drops. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertdrops.com. Very important. Go to alertdrops.com and stay safe. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Till next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Music.